Hello, and welcome to the Emmy Awards. I'm your host, Emmy Cardinale, and this is my podcast where I talk about what I've been watching or rewatching once a week. If this is the first episode of mine you're stumbling upon, feel free to check out the rest of my episodes. If you've been here before and you're not already, follow me wherever you listen to podcasts, rate and review, all of that good stuff. My social media is always linked below. If you want to follow me on there, I post updates if I'm late with the podcast, any anything like that. I mostly tweet, but on occasion I'll make a TikTok. Before I jump straight into talking about the shows I've been watching, I did want to do a little update of what this podcast is going to look like going forward. So I said last week that I wasn't really sure where I stood in terms of talking about television because of the SAG after a WGA strike. I had seen mixed messages, mixed opinions about whether reviewing TV, promoting TV in any capacity, even as like a fan, was crossing the picket line or harmful in any capacity. Because if you don't know, SAG-AFTRA, the Screen Actors Guild, I don't know what AFTRA stands for, I'm sorry, and then the WGA, the the Writers Guild of America, they're both on strike. And as part of the strike, SAG actors and writers well, SAG actors and WGA writers are not allowed to promote their work. They're not allowed to go to movie premieres, to events, to do press junkets, any of that. So there was big concern that studios would reach out to influencers to cover stuff. So it's just not it's it's just not in the best interest of influencers who talk about TV to cross that picket line. Um, One, because it's not good for (laughs) the actors and the people striking. And so there was like back and forth when I posted my episode last week, the the strike, I literally recorded last Thursday. I record on Thursday and then I post on Fridays. Um, And the strike only like went into effect on Friday. Thursday, the news just broke. So there was a lot that was like up in the air, hadn't been ironed out. But SAG did eventually put out an influencer Q&A, FAQ guideline thing. And they did say that um, if you review movies, you can keep reviewing movies. But when it comes to influencers, um, if you're an influencer, you should not be promoting any struck work in any capacity, even if it's not paid just as like a fan of a show or, or a movie or anything like that. Now, I don't really know if I like I I don't consider myself an influencer because I don't have any influence. Like I literally have like 12 followers on this podcast and like like I don't have an influencer reach, but I do consider myself on some level a content creator. I mean, I don't get paid to do it, but everybody creates content, I guess, and I I do put a lot of effort into this podcast. I've been doing it for over a year. Um, and I know that a lot of bigger TV influencers will, are like not going to be talking about struck work. And I don't want to like fill that vacuum and then have like, I I don't want to grow my platform off of doing something that people aren't doing right now because they're like standing in solidarity with workers that like deserve what they're asking for. So I'm not going to fill that void. I'm not going to be talking about struck work. I know I said at the end of last week's episode that this episode was going to be a deep dive recap into the summer I turned pretty season one and then I was going to do one for season two. That is no longer happening. Maybe when the strike is over, if I want to, I can do that in, in retrospect in a few months or however long it takes for the workers to get what they deserve maybe I'll do that then but I will not be doing that now and while I as a consumer will still be consuming new shows that are coming out from struck companies I because the the unions have not called on consumer boycotts and I'm following the union's guidelines while I will still be consuming a lot of tv I will only be talking about reality television going forward because reality tv is under a separate contract so 
even SAG union actors can can do those things. It's not impacted from my understanding. If I'm corrected and told that still talking about reality TV counts as crossing that picket line that I've already established and decided I'm not going to cross, then I will pivot my content to something not TV related at all. There will likely be an increase of reality TV in general because, and I was already expecting this because when the writer strike in 2007, I believe happened, there was a really, that was like a really, like the beginning of reality TV had existed, but it really ramped up because of the void. And so I was already expecting that to happen, but now with SAG also on strike, everything's like put off for the foreseeable future. But that is what I will be doing. I think if, I know there are some independent like product production companies um, that are still producing work. I'm not sure if talking about that is okay. I think it is. I, I'll, I'll, I'll find something to talk about every week, whether it's what I'm watching and rewatching or not. And I will be posting my thoughts, I guess, about the strike as things develop. I am not a news source. I do not recommend getting your information from me. If you're interested, you should read reputable news sources. I will simply be sharing my opinion on what I've read and what I've seen and what I've heard. But again, I'm not a reputable news source. Not that you thought I was, but I would just like to clarify that don't get your information from me. I did see on Twitter that I think it was outside of Universal, a bunch of trees were like completely, like they did a hack job, all the leaves are gone. And I actually drove by that yesterday when I was like out for a drive, I, I, and I passed it, I passed the trees and it was just as upsetting in person. And the city of LA, or maybe not like the city of LA directly, but whoever is in charge of like landscaping or something said they were like going to do like an investigation on it. And those are LA city trees. So they're going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, And anybody who knows anything about trees that I've seen, I mean, I feel like it's pretty straightforward and I don't even know that much about trees. And I could tell you that that is not a good thing to do to trees. But apparently it's like especially it's especially bad to cut trees like that one in the summertime because they don't have shade to protect themselves now. So it's going to discourage the trees from growing like the the trees are probably not going to grow the leaves again evenly or at all. And it's really bad like for in a city to cut down trees because especially in the summer because trees help with shade and all of that and it's not good for wildlife like it's just a horrible thing to do and I think that is just like like literal not literal metaphorical representation of the corporate greed and like how untouchable these like CEOs view themselves And I don't know. It makes me genuinely, like, at the core of this, it just makes me very angry, like, very, very angry that, I don't know, that there are people in this world that care that much about, like, money and power and, like, just always, like, it just, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, it truly, it makes absolutely no sense to me. Why would you ever want to function that way where you lose the humanity and people and it's just it's really disturbing like it's really it's not surprising like I know logically like it I'm not surprised but it's still upsetting nonetheless and something that really bothers me is a lot of people not a ton of people but I feel like or maybe just not the people that I'm you know following but, or like the, the circles that I tend to like, you know, be in online. But there is on occasion stuff that comes up on my feeds of people being like, why should I care about all these rich celebrities? Like that they just want to be richer. And it's like, no, you're, you're missing the point. You're literally missing the point. It's not about the 1% of actors. It's about the majority of actors in SAG-AFTRA. And I feel like anybody 
And I, I feel like a lot of the times it's like you can't win because when there's like a big name celebrity on the picket lines being like, I'm not getting any money from like this big show that, you know, I was on. People are like, but they're rich. So they got a lot of money. But then if it's like somebody who nobody knows, I'm sure there would be people who are like, they're just bitter because nobody knows who they are and their careers didn't go anywhere. Why are they complaining? Like people are going to be mad and bitter and, and mean no matter what but it's just it really frustrates me because it's not I mean I obviously care very deeply about media and tv and like it's a very big part of my life and I like I I value the people who go who the people behind making the shows that have carried me through very hard times in my life or have spoken to me or have like touched in to an experience I've had or have been healing for me because I really do believe that media, at least for me, is like a healing thing. Like I I really like gravitate towards media that that navigates trauma in one capacity or other, even if it's forms of trauma that I haven't necessarily experienced. Um, because it's it's been very healing for me as somebody who has experienced traumatic things and for a long time didn't let myself, like I, I didn't allow myself to label certain experiences I had as traumatic until I experienced trauma later in my life. And they, they were very, like obviously it was different traumas, but I feel like when I was traumatized as a young adult in college, I didn't have anybody around me for the most part who was did, like everybody around me was like, that was a really hard thing to go through. And I think that was the first time like experiencing trauma as, a, as an adult allowed me to think back and like validate the traumatic experiences I had when I was younger. And all of this to say that I find media about trauma and people healing from trauma or even if they don't heal just like feeling it and the impacts I find it very healing in a strange way I'm not making any sense I have no idea what tangent I went on none of this was in my notes for this episode um I'm about to get my period so I'm like my I'm very emotional right now but I find media to be very healing and whether it, it, it not even like shows that talk about trauma even just like shows like Gilmore Girls that like carried me through high school or like, like I, media has literally like shaped me into who I am. And so I value very deeply the writers and the actors and the artists behind the art that has impacted me so deeply. I feel the same way about music. And so I obviously no part of me was ever like, oh, these entitled writers. But I think the people who are, one, don't understand the, like, reality of the, of, like, what it means to be in SAG. And, and not that I even do. I'm not in SAG. I don't, I, like, I'm, I'm not, like, I, but I, I, I think it's also, like, at the end of the day, it's not the same struggle, but it's, like, a very similar struggle of people are making money off of your labor, while you are like struggling to make ends meet, I feel like that is a very common experience, regardless of what field you're in. If you're like not like a fucking CEO for the most part, like or like some kind of executive, like people are making money off your labor, billionaires are making money off your labor while you are like struggling to make ends meet or maybe not always struggling to make ends meet but it's just it's not equitable that these people are making money off your labor and I see people be like I I saw this like somebody was replying to a comment they received where it was like I don't get residu residuals for my work like why are you upset that you're not getting residuals and the thing is if like nobody was watching the show and the show wasn't making any money would this like would it be an absurd thing for people to be like I want to make money off of that maybe but like the, sh the show is continuing to make money on these streaming services. And if people are making money off your labor, you should continue to get paid for it. It's not that difficult to understand. People are making money off their labor. And they're making money off of, yeah, uh, somebody else's labor by doing nothing. Anyways, 
All of this to say, I, I've been talking for, I don't even know how long, I didn't mean for this introduction to be so long, but I am proceeding with as much caution and mindfulness as I can. Any feedback I receive, I will pivot my content. I, again, want to be as respectful as I can because I agree wholeheartedly with the fight that they're fighting and I want to stand in solidarity in whatever way I can. And so that's what I will be doing. The first show I'm going to talk about today is The Bachelorette. So we're on season 20 of The Bachelorette. Charity is The Bachelorette. I am not going to talk about the first three episodes. I talked a little bit about the beginning of the season in one of my last episodes. I don't know which one, but there are timestamps in the description always. So you can go back and listen to that chapter, those chapters before you watch, before you listen to this, if you would like. If not, you don't have to. Anyways, so episode four of this season, somebody like when they're in Oregon and they're like moving into their like hotel and talking about how beautiful it is like they always do somebody says I don't remember who was like we're already halfway through this journey and I was like we're already halfway through this journey it's episode four but like they are there's like not that many people left they haven't even gone international at this rate they'll probably go like to two places abroad like it's insane. It's literally insane. They might not be in Oregon. Maybe they're in Washington. I think they're in Washington. Sorry. My apologies. They're in Washington. They're somewhere in that kind of vibe. Anyways, this season is definitely shorter, I think, which, you know what? I didn't have this in my notes, but I can't help but feel like this is another example of like the leads of color being shafted and like the way their love stories are told. And I don't think so far they are in any way villainizing charity or like charity is coming, getting a bad edit in ways that other leads have gotten in the past, which I'm happy for. And while I feel like maybe they're torturing her a little bit in some ways, I feel like charity, I don't know, charity doesn't seem miserable so far. And I, I hope it, it remains that way but they, it doesn't seem like they're torturing her in the same way. But the season does seem to be shorter. They gave her less men. Episode four is already halfway through. I think when the episode ends, there are six guys left, maybe less, which means next week is the week before hometowns, which means this is all ending super fast. And why? Why? I, w- I would like an explanation. I think it's because... I like I don't know if they came out with an official explanation, but I saw somebody say that they think it was because of the Golden Bachelor or something. But I don't know. I would like an explanation because why couldn't they like push the Golden Bachelor back a little bit? Like I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me that Charity is getting a shorter season. Like Tasha already. Tasha is a great example. She got a shorter season. What the fuck is up with that? Anyways, like what. Well, Anyways, I once wrote an article called The Bachelor Franchise is Racist, and you should read it if you're listening to this because I I think it was really good work. But anyways, Dodden gets the first one-on-one, and I love him. I think he's final rose potential. I know I said in one of my last episodes where I talked about The Bachelorette that I didn't really feel like anybody was that good of a suitor so far. Like I I wasn't shipping anybody or like rooting for anybody. And I I have shifted in my perspective. I am rooting for Don. I liked him from the beginning, but I, I didn't know if he was going to go far. Like part of me was like, I don't, not because he's not wonderful, just because I don't want to get attached to people and then have them get sent home. So now that I've seen more of Dodden, I'm like obsessed with him and I really like their connection, but I'll get to that later. He gets the first one-on-one. Um, and... We see the guys doing, like, a guide chat, which is when, like, the producers force them to talk about their journey and their feelings, and it's, like, the most awkward thing ever. And Brayden's in the corner, like, what the fuck are these guys on? And honestly, it's funny. It's really funny. He's like, you don't even know her favorite color. Like, you guys don't know her. And honestly, he's real for that. He's real for that. I feel like it would be so bizarre to be, like, feeling like have feelings for somebody and you're all just like talking about like the truth is realistically you can't all be ready to marry her and if you are then you don't actually want to marry her 
because you all haven't gotten the same amount of times or the same level of connection. She doesn't want to marry all of you. So it doesn't seem realistic. Like, Brayden is the one who's coming at this with the most, like, logical perspective where he's like, I really like her and I want to keep getting to know her, but, like, I can't say right now that I want to get married to her. Like, that is, that is like, realistic. That is logical. Brayden is the kind of contestant that we need more of. I want more contestants being like, look, I really like the lead and I want to see what, what's going on and, like, we have a connection but I don't know if I can get married yet. Like, I, I don't know them well enough. We haven't spent any time off camera. That's a totally reasonable perspective to have. Um, anyways, so Dodden and Charity's one-on-one, like the date portion is like a bungee jumping date. He's like, I'm afraid of heights. Never tell the producers your fears. They will use it against you, which I know that they probably in like the packet that they make you fill out. It probably is like, what's your biggest fear? But I would put something like all of like, I don't know, like my cat dying because what are they going to do? Kill my cat? No, I wouldn't let them kill my cat. You know what I mean? Like I, I would put something that they can't. If they're like your biggest phobia. I'm like, I don't have a phobia. Like I, I don't have phobias. I have anxieties about things, but like I, I don't, I'd, I, I would find a way around it. I would not tell them my biggest fear because if they make me, the thing is I have anxiety. So like, would this stress me out? Yes. Do I have necessarily a fear of heights? Not really, but it would be, if I ever go bungee jumping, it has to be something that I like mentally prepare myself for, physically prepare myself for, like, you know. It's got to be something that I want to do, that I'm, like, in the mood to try something new. I would not want to be going on, like, a first date with somebody because it's their first, like, time together. And, like, you're surprised with, like, bungee jumping. Like, I would have a panic attack. And I'm not even afraid of heights. I'm just anxious. It would not, it would not be good for me, personally. But you know what? They, they, they they do it, they jump, and then when they come back, they're, like, happy, and they're, like, let's do it again. So they've conquered their fear, so at least it's not, a ne- like, a super negative, like, traumatizing thing, because sometimes they, like, push people on these shows, and there doesn't seem to be any happy resolution. Like, they they might be, like, that was fine, but you can tell that they're, like, dying inside. It didn't feel that way, so that's good. Um, we see more of the guy chats. Brayden is like super valid. I don't really like Aaron B. He just feels like he's saying what he thinks he's supposed to say. Like I have nothing against him because I don't, I feel like I know nothing about him. Like I truly, we're halfway through this process. I feel like I don't know anything about him except he had a fake coin. I don't know anything about Aaron B. He just is saying, I feel like what he thinks he's supposed to say. And I don't enjoy that. It's not compelling television. I've been watching the show. Like this is the 20th season of The Bachelorette. We've seen this before. We want something new. We want something. I want to know who Aaron is. I don't know who Aaron is. I know that Aaron would be ready to get married at the end, but I like, I, I don't know why or like, and he had a, he had a one-on-one and he, he, his story wasn't compelling enough that, because there are people where they have one-on-ones like Dodden. Dodden, before his one-on-one, every time that he spent time with charity. And again, this is all with the caveat of like, this is what we are being shown. It's an edited TV show. I'm not saying that Aaron has never had a conversation with charity that is like actually substantial, but like Dodden, like every conversation we've seen, it's like learning something new about him or like genuinely it's like they're getting to know each other more. I feel like anytime I see Aaron, it's like, I want, like, I don't know. I don't know. No hate to Aaron. I don't know him personally. And I'm sure that he's a much more interesting person than is coming across on TV. Or maybe he's not. Who knows? I don't know him. And they, like, there's a shot of Brayden talking to some other guy. I don't know who it is. I think maybe it's Xavier. Um, where, like, his mic is clearly on, but, like, the cameras aren't right there. So he probably just didn't realize he was being filmed or he forgot he was being filmed. And he talks about wanting that sometimes, like, he just wants to be with Charity while she's, like, off, you know, when she's, like, not the Bachelorette. And, again, that's super valid, and I understand. I feel like it's kind of, like, this thing where, like, you're in an environment where everyone around you is, like, you've had so much time. You have a connection. You've gotten all these roses. You should want to at this stage. 
get on one knee. Like, you should know. And he's like, I don't even really know her. Like, I would go crazy. I would go crazy in that environment if everybody was like, you should want to marry this person at this point. Like, you've had plenty of time. You've gotten so much more validation than, like, most of us. You should know at this point that if she picks you, you're getting married. And he's just like, I, do I don't even know her. We barely spend any time together. And it's like, he's right. What has Brayden, like, what has Brayden done that's like, anyways, I'll, I'll get into it more. But Brayden is an Aries. And if you know anything about me, it takes a lot for me to defend an Aries man, okay? I literally have a vendetta against, like, every Aries man ever. And, and I just, there's, I just, I don't know. There, he's just, he's not doing anything that wrong, in my opinion. Um, would I want to be friends with him? No, he's an Aries man. But, like, as a television persona, character, whatever, he... He's not doing anything wrong that I've seen. And again, like all the, all the guys hate him. So maybe there's like something we haven't seen, but genuinely what we've seen, I don't understand how he's coming across poorly. He's like the most logical, reasonable, grounded person there. And he's only 24. Like, you know, you know what that says to me? It's that us younger people were just more involved. No, I'm kidding. Um, I, I wrote in my notes and I did want to say this. His feelings are like valid and super justified. I think it's just, he doesn't know how to articulate himself sometimes. And I feel like also like for some reason, his personality, probably cause he's an Aries and a man has <laughs> rubbed the other men in the house the wrong way. So anything he says, they use it. I feel like this is just like a common thing where like if you don't like somebody and like you're in a group and like every like the majority of the group doesn't really like this person when they do something wrong it's gonna like validate to you like they're not here for the right reasons like because you already have this preconceived notion that like like even i'll get i'll get to it later but like the way they view, like, the, the things that the other men say about the way Brayden was probably talking to Charity, it's like, you don't know. You have created this in your head based off of the Brayden that you think you know. You've barely known, like, you know what I mean? It's like they have this preconceived notion and then anything he does that could be used against him is, like, validation for this pre preconceived notion they have that's not really based on anything that we've seen. I don't know. Um, we, they read the date card the, for the group date and Xavier's left out. So he's getting the second one-on-one -on -one for the episode. Um, we see Dodden and Charity's like nighttime thing. And I, I love their connection. Like I, Dodden, Dodden is the best. He like talks about moving here to the United States at like four years old. And as like somebody who immigrated to this country at a young age, I just, I don't know. I have a I have a soft spot for. I get it. Like I have a soft spot, and I think it the way they talk to each other and about each other, and the way Charity talks about him in in the like ATMs, not ATMs, ITMs, <laughs> the ITMs. They they just make sense to me. And again, I'm just seeing them on TV. I don't know what if they're like really compatible in real life, but I see it and I feel it and. At this point, I would be so happy if they ended up together. Like, I would be rooting for them. It, it, it makes me... It just... It's... She literally... She's, like, talking about how... Like, in her ITM, she's talking about how he, like, genuinely wanted to get to know her. And she doesn't feel like anybody's ever gone to that effort or something along those lines. Like, I, I love them. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Um, then the group date is a survival group it's like a survival theme date and like the whole thing was so yellow jackets coded like they have to scavenge somebody eats mushrooms Brayden was acting weird and I was literally like maybe the mushrooms he ate were poisonous like where's Misty anyways um and they do like a like a, a quiz at the end um there are like these girl scouts that are there who are just probably paid actresses I don't think they're real girl scouts maybe they are but I don't think so the they do a quiz at the end of like, what would you do? What would like, how would you keep charity warm? Aaron says hot cocoa. Where are you getting the cocoa from? Somebody just said, you, like, the question was, if you don't have any fire, how are you going to keep her warm? 
if you if you don't have fire, where the fuck did you get hot cocoa from? Where are you making that? There's no fire. That doesn't make any sense. Thank you. Okay. I rest my case. Aaron B, like what what hello? Um and then they ask like the last question is who would you eat to survive? Like I'm sorry, was somebody not like a bachelor producer was like binging Yellow Jacket season one and was like, this would be such a fun group date. And that's how they came up with it. But they couldn't get a sponsorship. So that probably not. It would have it would have been way on the nose if they were like in the Canadian wilderness. Like if they were in Canada and they did this, that would be very on the nose. Anyways, not everything is about Yellow Jackets, but in my mind it is. And Aaron wins, like, the competition because it's, like, a competition to get more time by, like, the kissing tree or whatever. Like, the, the lamest, like, play for time ever because, like, what? you This and the Barbie day, it's, like, they're trying to add more, comp- like, competitive elements of, like, play for times and they're, they're just not hitting. Like, they're, the Barbie day was a little bit more interesting but, like, not anyways. And Brayden in his ITMs is like, Aaron is a cookie cutter dude. And you know what? Again, he's not wrong. And is Aaron a cookie cutter dude in his real life? I don't know. But Aaron does just say the things that he's supposed to say. They're like, how do you want this? Where do you want to end up in this? And he's like on one knee. Like, you're just saying what you should say at this point in the game. And it's annoying to me. And I know, obviously, that's playing the game. And again, being some kind of realist on some level can paint you as being there for the wrong reasons. And I I think there's like a, I think there's just a line you have to tread carefully of like not like insulting the process while being true to yourself. And I think Brayden... I, I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't know. Anyways. It just it takes a lot for me to defend an Aries man. I can't believe they're doing this to me. So at the night portion date, they're like talking before charity gets there. And they're all talking about like, you know, being ready to marry her, basically. And Brayden is like, I just want to spend as much time like I just want to figure out if she's somebody I could see being with for a long for like forever. Um, and Aaron is like, you're so pessimistic. And again, this is an edited version of, of who knows what actually happened if there was like something in between that. But from what we saw, Brayden was just sharing his version of, and again, everything that Brayden has said that's been incriminating, he said that like, he felt kind of uncomfortable with her dating 30 other guys. And that one's kind of annoying because it's like, this is a show you're on, but that's also like a very logical, understandable thing to be upset about and uncomfortable with. And another thing he said was like, I know I could date her after this, but I don't know yet if I would be, well, like if, if marriage would be a thing, which I think is a very logical. And it, again, it just, the whole thing that bothers me about the, for the wrong reasons, for the right reasons is at their core, the people who are so, the people who come into this being like, this is working, like I wanna marry her. To me, that feels more for the wrong reasons, even though the show that's like for the right reasons than questioning the process. It feels more reasonable to be like, this is like crazy because it is crazy. I feel like if you're drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit too much, it feels like you're there just to win. And while, Obviously, if you're going to go on the show, you want to get something out of it. Like, it's not just for love. I think, to me, the line I've always drawn is, like, if you are genuinely not interested in the person and you don't want a future, there should be a point where you, like, send yourself home. Or even if you don't send yourself home, like, I I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, it's hard. It's hard because I, I can't imagine... I would go home, I'd be like, I'm not interested, but I don't really know. Like, obviously that's easier said than none, but it's like, I don't think you should like fake the entire thing, even though you're going into it, obviously being aware that you're going on TV and you'd want to come across a certain way to the best of your ability. I'm not making any sense now. I just don't understand why they're coming afraid. And he like is very reasonable to me. Um, 
Not always, but for the most part, Brayden hasn't been doing that many crazy things. Charity walks in in the middle of this discussion because obviously they sent her in there. So she's like, can we talk? And Brayden and Charity talk. And Brayden's like, I really like you, but I don't really know if I want to be here anymore. And again, so valid. I feel like if I was in this situation and I was like thinking about this as like logically as I could. And I was like, look, I really like this person. And like, I want to keep getting to know them. And I have like real genuine feelings and a connection but everybody around me is telling me that at this point I should know that I want to marry them and that there's something wrong with me because I don't. Like, I feel like I'd go crazy too. I'd be like, I don't want to be in a house with a bunch of people who not only don't like me, but are telling me that my perspective on this situation and this relationship with this person I care about is like inherently wrong or like, I'd want to leave too. And like literally in between, like Brayden and Charity go off to talk and before we see their actual conversation, the guys are like mad. Like they're talking about how ridiculous it is that Brayden, even though he's had all this time and like you're this far along in the process, how do you not know you're ready for an engagement yet? Like maybe because the process isn't, isn't over. I would understand if somebody gets to like the final, even like overnight dates. It's like at this point, I don't know if I could see a future with you. That would be upsetting and like really frustrating but it's like, I'm sorry, do all of you, do, do you, does every single man in the room, do you genuinely think that at this moment that you could get down on a knee, on one knee and you could get proposed to her? If you feel 100% confident at that point, then you don't genuinely want to marry her. You want to win the bachelorette. Anyways, but that's my two cents. Joey gets the group date, Rose. I feel like they're setting him up to be the future bachelor. Like he, he's just giving future bachelor vibes. Um, he's definitely getting a hometown and I'm excited to see his gay dad. Have they talked about, yeah, he has talked about his dad being gay. I found out that Joey had a gay dad because I got an ad on Hulu for the bachelor and it was him like in his intro package talking about his dad being gay and it was for pride. Like it was a pride Hulu ad. And they used something from The Bachelorette that the, I don't even know if they included in the original show because I don't recall seeing it in the show until he had his one-on-one -on -one where he talked about his parents' divorce and then his dad came out. But this, I saw this before that episode aired. So I think it was like they, they took something from his intro package. Maybe he said it in his intro package, but I don't recall that. But I saw a Hulu ad where he was talking about his dad being gay and they used that to be like celebrating pride. Very, very bizarre choice. But, like, of all things, The Bachelorette and, like, an off, like, one contestant has a gay dad. You're using that in your Pride ad? What is wrong with Hulu? So weird. Oh, then we see um, Xavier and Charity's one-on-one -on -one date. And at first, she's, like, they go to, like, some fruit festival. It's, like, not a very interesting date. Um, she's, like, kind of anxious around him at first because he, like, reminds her of her ex but then he opens up on the night portion date and like she feels fine because she I guess because he reminds her of her ex she's really worried about like infidelity and like whether he'll be loyal and then he opens up about I think his biggest fear in relationships is it not being reciprocated so I, I, I think I don't know whatever he says I don't remember what exactly but it comforts her fears that he would like cheat on her um and he gets the rose and it's all very sweet. I will say I really, I think he's final four. Um, which doesn't feel that crazy to say at this point because like literally there's like what two guys like left to go home before hometowns. Um, like obviously he's going to be final four. He's gotten a one-on-one. -on -one. Not all the other guys have so far. But I liked when he talked about his mom having MS and the way that his dad took care of his mom and how that like, influenced him to go into the field he's in which I don't know what exactly it is but it's some kind of science like research thing I don't really know but it's impressive um then at the rose ceremony cocktail party portion of the episode I again love Dodden's time with her like every time they talk I feel like like they, they build a deeper connection I feel like I see like a real relationship and a real connection and like a real compatibility there like it doesn't just feel like Dodden 
is saying what he needs to say to get further ahead. I feel like he genuinely feels that way about charity. I love him. I love him so much. Um, I like Joey too. I don't really see their connection, but I feel like if he's not the next Bachelor, then he'll probably do a really... He'll be fun on Paradise, I feel like. Like, I, I, I don't see Joey ending up with Charity. I mean, unless, like, he's, like, a surprise, starts doing really well at the end. That's happened before. I feel like they probably won't end up together. But if he wants, I feel like he could have a long history in Bachelor Nation if he would like. Sean is so annoying. Every time he's there, I'm like, shut up. He's so annoying. Then the the main, you know, part of this cocktail party is that Brayden comes back. And what does he do wrong? Like, literally, what does he do wrong, wrong? He, like, goes through the room where all the guys are. He doesn't say anything because he clearly doesn't want confrontation or drama. And then some of the guys are like, that's so rude that he came in and he didn't even acknowledge us. Like... If he came in and acknowledged you, you would have been like, Brayden came in all confrontational wanting to fight us. Like, genuinely, anything he did, it was like, that's wrong. When logically, how is that wrong? <laughs> like, how is that wrong? No matter what, like, he would have been criticized. And I think he did the best he could. And obviously, like, the producers told him, I mean, I wasn't there, but like, when you're filming a television show... <laughs> The producers are the ones who escort you from places and they're like telling, they're the ones who let him know where charity is. So they're like, you have to go through this room. So he goes through the room. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't want to cause drama. And then he goes into the room where John is, which again, how is he supposed to know that John's there? He stands there as long as he can to not interrupt them kissing. Then he finds like all the things that Brayden did that are like really like not cool of him are like things that are not his choice because they're on a television show with producers controlling the movement of things um which is always important to talk about he's like respectful and apologetic like i don't even think he needed to have this conversation but again the producers probably convinced him to they end things fine charity is obviously a little bit upset which i get it i wouldn't want to talk to him either like you already sent him home when they had the conversation on the group date like she was very clearly frustrated she said in her itms like that it's really frustrating when she's been reassuring him for him to not believe like how much he likes her when she's like you're one of the ones and i genuinely think Brayden would Brayden would have at least gotten a hometown um like i think he could have gotten far like i genuinely do i think she would have kept giving him a chance if he maybe showed that he wanted to be there a little bit more like he said i don't really want to be here anymore and i think that was when she was like yeah, like, he should go. I don't think she would have sent him home. I feel like it would have been a Hannah Brown, Luke Parker thing where she would have kept pushing for him to be there because she saw the good in him. But I think Brayden just didn't have that energy to fight. And you know what? I don't, I respect it. Then as he's leaving, Brayden is leaving the conversation with Charity. He doesn't say anything, anything to the guys. Again, clearly doesn't want to fight. And Aaron, like, tries to stop him and it's like, apologize to John, like apologize to John. And he's just walk, like he just walks away. He gets into the party bus. Obviously the party bus won't leave because the producers are telling the bus not to leave. And like, they're all attacking him. And like, the one thing that I will say, I know I said Sean was annoying, but the one comment he made where he was like, Aaron comes in with, or Braden comes in with his scarf, like, like you know, and... <laughs> and the produ a producer asks what's the difference between that and your scarf and he goes this is cashmere that was funny I'll, I'll give I'll give Sean that even this big thing which was like in the like season preview of like a confrontation and like a conflict moment where Brayden was like angry and obviously at some point he did react and he started cursing them but he didn't like chase after them he literally he didn't say anything to them he wanted to address charity he left Aaron followed after him. He didn't engage then either. He was like, I, I get it. You have a big dick. Like, we don't have to keep doing this. Like, I'm, I wasn't here to talk to you. And then he's sitting in the, like, party bus van, whatever, to leave. It looks like a party bus. It might just be a van. But, it like, the interior looked like a party bus to me. Um, but he's sitting there waiting to leave. And, like, they all crowd around him and start, like, talking to him. And John comes up and he's, like, very apologetic to John. And then Aaron comes in and Aaron starts yelling. And obviously at some point he's he's, like... He's had beef with Aaron since last week when Aaron, like, tattletailed on him. Like, 
I would be pissed at Aaron at that point too, especially if coming from Brayden's perspective when he's like the one person who is vocally looking at things as logically as he can and be like, look, I really care about this girl, but I don't know her and it doesn't make sense to be like, I want to get engaged. To the, like to have the guy who is literally saying like everything that he's supposed to say of like I see us getting down on one knee or like he's just saying everything that like he's supposed to say it's annoying there's no sincerity to his voice like even Dodden says things that it's like he's like I I really wasn't sure about this until I heard it was you that's the thing people say a lot about the, like when they're on the show but you know what it feels genuine when Dodden talks Aaron is not a good actor it's just like after like the big conflict where like Bray- Brayden like loses his mind and is like I'll fuck you up or whatever to to Aaron. It's like a, he literally did everything he could to avoid the conflict, and they're like fighting him. Like I don't even know. Again, not to defend a man, let alone an Aries man, but what has he done wrong so far? And I will say, I said in one of my last episodes that typically the villains, I I don't love villains on these shows because it's like upset like it it, not upsetting but it's like sometimes the stuff and the behavior is like genuinely like uncomfortable to watch but Brayden literally just rubbed them all the wrong way because he was thinking about things like rationally and logically and from like a viewer perspective especially when you're not in that environment because I'm sure when you're in that environment it's probably a lot harder to be like I don't know this person because everyone around you is like, oh my God, he is like the lead is like the one potential suitor in the entire world. And you don't have your friends and family to ground you. You don't have any normalcy. You're just like in this weird world where everybody is like in love with this one person. But as a viewer who watches it as TV, it's a lot easier for me to be like, yeah, this is not like you're on a television show. And Brayden is the one person who's like, look, I really like charity. We have a great connection. I probably have a stronger connection than half of you guys who are saying you want to marry her. Like, as a viewer, Brayden is a very, like, nice breath of fresh air with somebody who's not just saying the same fucking shit over and over and over again. So anyways, will I be following him on social media? Probably not. Do I hope to see him in paradise? I do. I do. I feel like he could have a good redemption arc. I mean, I don't think he did anything that wrong to be redeemed but there have been worse villains quote-unquote who have gotten redeemed on paradise and i feel like he could find somebody on paradise and it would probably be a lot more conducive to a relationship because he could actually spend a lot more time with a person before like getting engaged and he could like focus on just the one person and the one person could just focus on him like they she wouldn't necessarily be obligated to date a bunch of people like the bachelor ed is like when you're on paradise if you pair up early you can spend like the entire time together so i don't know hopefully brayden is is happy wherever his life takes him it's not his fault that he was born under an airy son like it's not you know but that does tend to be a red flag for me but he did a good job so i don't know what the rest of his chart says but he clearly has something to balance out the upsetting nature of being an Aries man. <laughs> um, imagine he's not even an Aries, and I've just been just, like talking out of my ass. Let me check Bachelor horoscopes. I'm like ninety percent sure he's an Aries, but if he isn't, that's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, he is an Aries. Okay, I was correct. Joey, Joey is a Gemini, and I I was listening to a podcast where somebody was like, he reminds me of Greg. Greg Grippo and I'm like it's because he's a Gemini and Greg Grippo's a Gemini like astrology is real um but Brayden is the first Aries man I've seen on television that I haven't immediately hated like the thing about Brayden is that like he had all the potential to be somebody I really hated but they're all getting mad at him for something that he's not even like for things that like aren't that are like that make sense that are like reasonable and logical like do I like Brayden no but they're all mad at him for something that doesn't make sense to be mad at somebody for. He must be just really annoying because it's like they're taking any opportunity of something he did badly to be like, he sucks. Anyways, um, no one I really care about went home. So that's where the, that's where my thoughts on The Bachelorette episode four ends. The next show and the last show I will be talking about is Claim to Fame season two episode four. I I touched on claim to fame a little bit in the last 
episode, but I haven't, like, gone, like, through an episode and talked about my thoughts in, on stuff. Um, but anyways, basically, if you've been watching Claim to Fame, then you can listen to my thoughts on this. And if not, then you don't have to, and you can just skip to the conclusion or the end or listen to another pod, like another podcast episode of mine. Or this could be where your journey ends for today. So we thank you so much for having you. Take a moment, say your goodbyes. Um, this is the final roast tonight. No, I'm kidding. He says that before he says, take a moment, say your goodbyes. Anyways. So claim to fame, the episode opens with like Jane had had, like just having gone home and Shane everybody's like Shane and Monet like are like geniuses like they tricked Jane into guessing Chris's clue wrong so she'd go home um and then Shane asks JR for help with Carson's clue because they're targeting Carson um Shane and Monet are they mentioned that at the end of last week but I I'm not very clear on why they decided they decided they were going to target Carson, but they got her clue and they really wanted to get her out at the end of the episode. That's like their target. I really don't know why. JR thinks it's somebody named Jeff Gordon. It's like a race car driver or something. Gabriel thinks it is too. Like a lot of people agree. Um, also, Gabriel is like a very interesting contestant because he's like nobody has any idea who I'm related to because they all think I'm related to an athlete and I'm not related to an athlete so like I don't know Gabriel has good gameplay of like keeping people off his scent and he says at some point like as long as they're the bigger target that's not me I'm happy like he they're really good at playing the game honestly like I was worried after claim to fame season one that the people wouldn't be as famous (laughs) Um, I'd be like, oh, they're going to get, like, D-listers now. But they got really good people, like, like, people's relatives. And they're all really, like, strategic and good and playing the game for the most part and, like, ruthless. Like, there's a lot of interesting gameplay, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, Chris and Carson are, like, on a team. Shane and Monet are on a team. Like, they have an alliance. And Chris and Carson want Shane and Monet out because they want to break. They want to break them up. They don't know who... Monet's related to everybody has guessed at this point that Shane is related to Eddie Murphy based on the clue based on Shane's clue I think also just the resemblance she does look like Eddie Murphy but they don't know who Monet is related to somebody I think it was Carson thought it was maybe Steve Harvey but I don't think it's Steve Harvey I I I, I don't genuinely I have no idea who Monet is related to but I don't think it's Steve Harvey because one of the clues was like a fedora and somebody was like Steve Harvey always wears a fedora I don't think Steve Harvey wears a fedora maybe he did back in the day but like when I think fedora I don't associate it with Steve Harvey like I now I have to wrap my brain of who which celebrity wears like fedoras like I don't think Steve I don't think it's Steve Harvey could she maybe look like Steve Harvey? Maybe, but I, I, I don't think it's Steve Harvey. I don't remember the rest of her clues, though. Um, somebody calls Cole and Hugh... I think Shane calls Cole and Hugo floaters, which is very Big Brother-esque of her. She's like, these are the alliances, and then Cole and Hugo are, are kind of floating back and forth. Um, has she seen Big Brother? Because that's literally like a, a, a Big Brother term. Floaters grab a life vest. <laughs> we see that Shane has been flirting with Cole because she knows she's not safe. She's like caught on to the fact that everybody knows she's related to Eddie Murphy. Um, she's also trying to get close to Hugo because she doesn't really know where he stands. So she's appealing to the floaters. I love Franklin and Kevin Jonas's like dynamic as hosts. I said, I've said that before, but they just do such a great job. Like they do such a great job. Um, the, co- the competition for this episode, because basically Claim to Fame, if you've never seen the show, I really recommend it, especially if you like competition shows. But they have like competitions where they get more clues on the celebrity relatives of people, but they also, if you lose, you're in the bottom two and one of you will have to be the picker, the, the guesser, and guess somebody's celebrity relative. And if you guess correctly, they go home. But if 
they if you guess incorrectly you go home so you're like at risk of being eliminated if you're in the if you lose a competition and if you win you get like a clue from like the vault there's like a wine cellar where they get like clues so the 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 competition is that there are a bunch of statues and blindfolded they have to touch the statues and try to figure out what the statues are and each statue is like a clue to somebody chris wants share Shane and Monet out because again he's trying to break them up together um the competition is super interesting I wrote down all the statues and I tried to guess who people were but I don't I don't know anything um there's a shrimp no idea who that's related to there's a burger Gabriel says he thinks it's him because of a movie good burger that his relative like either was in that movie or acted with the, the actors in that movie at Nick on I don't even know anyways I don't understand the connection, but I don't know who Gabriel's related to. So then there's a tire, which is Carson's clue, because again, she's connected to somebody who's like an auto racer. I don't think it's Jeff Gordon, but I don't know. I'm only spoiled for a few people, um, but I have no idea who Carson is related to. I also know nothing about auto racing. So there's cheese, no idea. Cole says he thinks it's that clue. So is he related to somebody who's like a Wisconsin cheese packer that's the only thing i can think of i don't know anything any celebrity that is connected to cheese except wisconsin there's a dragon maybe somebody related to somebody from game of thrones i don't know i think there's a butterfly there's like a roman emperor statue thing there's a planet there are like horns that kind of look like maleficent's horns i don't know if somebody's maybe related to somebody who played maleficent i don't really know olivia i don't know if i mentioned this but olivia like decides to olivia's my favorite by the way i love her she decides to throw the competition she like wants to she wants to throw the competition so she's giving them like bad guesses um which is just so funny and very again big brother like strategic of like if i throw this competition then somebody in my team will have to be the guesser and like stuff like that like she was very again strategically thinking that through and i really enjoyed that um chris's team wins and so he's safe because he was the team captain and he gets a clue cole and hugo are the bottom two cole's team which was cole hugo and olivia they lost because again olivia threw the competition and cole was the team leader so he has to pick somebody and he picked hugo so my bestie olivia is safe we're not besties but in my mind we are i love olivia and I found it interesting that Cole and Hugo were established as the two floaters at the beginning of the episode, and they are now in the bottom two. One of them will be the guesser. Carson is like freaking out because she thinks she's the next to go. Hugo is playing both sides. He's telling Carson, don't worry, like I won't pick you. And then he's telling the other team, don't worry, I'll pick Carson. So Carson doesn't really know what Hugo would do, but she's pretty sure that Cole wouldn't pick shane because shane is like the easy pick like everybody knows who shane is related to so she thinks hugo would pick shane she's like pretty sure that it's between her and shane of being picked but she thinks that hugo would most likely would like lean more towards picking shane and cole would not pick shane because cole and shane have been like flirting and stuff so she's like freaking out then Chris, who won a clue, picks Hugo's clue. I know who Hugo's related to, um, and I have no idea what the clue means, but I also don't know a ton about his celebrity relative. Like, I, I but I, 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 knowing who he is, I don't understand what any of that clue means, but maybe I need to do more research. Hugo is related, this is a spoiler, um, Hugo is related to a president. That's the only, I'm not going to say which president, but maybe I just don't know enough about presidents. <laughs> Like, I don't, it doesn't indicate anything presidential. I feel like you'd have to know stuff about this president to figure it out because I, none of, I, I, I genuinely was so confused the entire time. I have no idea what it means. Um, then Cole tells Carson that the general, con- like the, the guest they have for her relative is Jeff Gordon. And Carson then tells Chris the the person they think is wrong. Chris is like, she's been an ally. Maybe she's lying to throw me off because she knows I'll talk. Um, Chris, Chris tells Hugo. So like, they're kind of like, is she lying? Is she telling the truth? Like, is this strategic? Which again, I think is so smart of them that somebody tells them something and they're immediately like, this could be true. 
Like she could be sincere or this could be manipulation. Like they're, they're thinking they're playing 3d chess or whatever the 4d chess, whatever the, the thing people say is like, they're, they're thinking strategically. I love it. Now, I don't think she's lying. I'm pretty sure Jeff Gordon is not her celebrity relative. But again, I know nothing about it. But she seemed, I don't know, Carson, Carson seemed genuine. She seemed like relieved when she told Chris. Like it, it didn't feel like this manipulative, like I'm going to tell Chris to plant this seed. It felt very much like, Chris, I'm so relieved. Like even if I go up there, like they're not sending me home, like their guess is wrong. It felt like she was just confiding in her ally. So I don't think it's Jeff Gordon, but I don't know anything about the auto racing thing. I don't have no idea. Cole is picked as the guesser and I was shocked. I not, not that he was picked as the guesser because they, anyways, there's like a bottom two and then in, they call it the voto booth. They go in there and they pick everybody votes and whoever is the most voted is the guesser. And so I was pretty sure that Cole was gonna be the guesser, but when Cole picked Shane, to guess, I was shocked. My mouth was on the floor. I did not see that coming. And they, the editors did a good job of setting up the entire episode of everybody being like, he's not gonna pick Shane, he's not gonna pick Shane, he's not gonna pick Shane. Because then when he picked Shane, I was like, he picked Shane? Like they did a great job of throwing me off the track. So maybe if I suspected a little bit more, I would have been like, mm. maybe I should have expected a bit more. Maybe I should have been like, oh, they keep saying he's not gonna pick Shane. So he is gonna pick Shane. But I genuinely like, Again, the main competition show, sorry, I have like something stuck in my throat all of a sudden, but the main competition show that I watch is of like of this nature is Big Brother. And I don't feel like I've seen, and again, Big Brother, it's a very different structure in that you vote people out based off of just how many votes they're gonna get, where this, if you guess wrong, you get sent home. So I understand why this kind of thing of like somebody picking their like showmance or flirtmance or whatever to be sent home is like a lot, like, like you don't see it happen very often because why would you send to somebody who's in your alliance home where claim to fame is a lot more, like obviously you have alliances and if you're like, you are connected to people, you get clues and you have more information. Like obviously it's not just like, fend for yourself but when you're there and you're voting and you're guessing for somebody you have to guess who you think you know because if not you're going home and so he wasn't sure about Carson so he picked Shane now was it cold yeah I but he, I guess he didn't want to go home like he really don't want to go home I feel like even Monet I mean Monet and Shane are like we're like a, like you know but I don't know I didn't see that coming it was I was shocked and he guessed that Shane's like celebrity relative is Eddie Murphy and he was correct because everybody had already guessed that um she is Eddie Murphy's daughter so Shane's gone um sad but that's the name of the game I feel like the people who are related to athletes and stuff like that must be so lucky because I'd be like I have no idea I know who Eddie Murphy is but I, I have no idea who any, like, like, Carson is related to somebody who was, like, an auto racer. I don't know anybody except Ari Leondike Jr. from The Bachelorette. <laughs> and The Bachelor, who raced cars. I don't know anything about that. Literally nothing. It's weird to me. Anyways, that's where the episode ends. And that is the conclusion to this Longer than I anticipated episode of the Emmy Awards. I do want to say before I wrap up, I am super excited for The Golden Bachelor. I was like, you know, rolling my eyes for the past what feels like million years of them advertising the senior bachelor and yada yada. But the, the guy they picked, his name's Gary. He seems lovely. I'm excited to see his story unfold. Yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm actually, I'm really, really excited. Like, I'm excited. Gary seems like the perfect first golden bachelor. He, like, is a widower. Um, he just seems sweet. I'm excited to see Gary's 
story unfolds. I am excited. I'm really excited for Gary's journey. Um, I'm excited to keep talking about reality TV. I'll keep talking about the WGA SAG strike. Um, Thank you so much for listening and for being here and patient while I figure out what this next chapter of the podcast is going to look like while I'm trying to be as respectful to the workers as I can be. Um, And thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to follow me wherever you listen to podcasts, rate and review. If this eventually goes on YouTube, like and subscribe because you can upload straight to YouTube now for me or like podcast feed. So I'm going to start doing that with my old like backlogging, all of that. But I just haven't had the energy and time to do that. But I will be doing that. So this will be on YouTube at some point. Probably, hopefully. Like and subscribe if this is on my YouTube channel and all of that. Um, Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And you will hear from me next week. Bye, guys.